Welcome back, episode five of the Press Pass podcast. I'm here, Joey LaFranca, the sports editor, with Joe LaTemplio, editor-in-chief. Joe, how are you doing today? Good, Joey. Thanks. And Kara Chapman, staff writer, how are you doing? Busy, good. Okay, okay, so we're just going to hop right into it today. Joe, what is going on this week? Uh, busy week in news around the North Country this week, as it is always lately, it seems. A um, couple big things happen. Uh, let's start off with the return of Plattsburgh State College students. Yeah. Um, if you've driven up Ruger Street in the past day or two, you've seen uh, the scores of cars and Students coming with their parents, mostly, uh, lining the uh, street, parking on one side, um, unloading their belongings, and moving into the dorms. I guess the, the college has developed a system where they come in waves yeah. at different t- scheduled times yep. to um, uh, adhere to COVID uh, protocols. Um, and it is going to be a different year, for sure, on campus, uh, not only in Plattsburgh State, but all campuses across the country. Um, Plattsburgh State has a plan for it, so hopefully um, things will work out, and we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it does go smoothly. Um, also, and Kara can jump in here anytime. Meadowbrook Nursing Home continues its battle for its residents to try to get visitation. Yes, um, for these folks that are in the, their care, it's been a tough go, and. I understand, a lot of people understand where Paul Richards, the head of Meadowbrook, is coming from. Um, you know, it's it's tough for them, the residents, to be cooped up in there since the end of February, basically, yeah. without any visitation. Um, but also, we understand the, where the state health department is coming from, mm-hmm. uh, and they got to keep these people safe. So that is a tough one. And perhaps maybe the biggest news so far this week was Essex County... Saw its first COVID death. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, there were three cases in the nursing home down there, and one of them um, perished. Um, I believe it was Monday. So that would be the North Country total to five. Yeah. Um, still, comparatively to the, compared to the rest of the state, numbers are really low and good, and five deaths. You might say that's not bad, but... Any loss of life is tragic, and we don't like to see that. Um, so hopefully that would be it for, well, for good. Yeah. But um, that was a, a sobering reminder of yeah. that this this virus is still in the community, and we all have to continue to be vigilant. It makes it so hard when we talk about the death tolls, too, because, yes, numerically, only five deaths, given what the whole country, the whole world is dealing with, that that's a good number. But a death is a death, and it's it's very sad, and, and we don't want any. Um, so it's such a hard, such a hard thing to deal with. Like you said, very sad, and you know we we have every time something like that happens, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody affected by by any type of COVID death like that. It's it's unfortunate what we're dealing with. Exactly, and, and I think that's you know one of the reasons why this Meadowbrook uh, issue is so is so intense and serious is because nursing homes have been a hot spot um, for bad news, unfortunately. Kara, um, may, maybe you can talk a little bit about where Paul Richards is coming from. So uh, yesterday, oh yesterday Tuesday, they hosted a press conference that featured Administrator Paul Richards, Assemblyman Billy Jones joining in on the fight, as well as. 
uh, Andrea Bull, whose mother, Sharon Pavetta, is a resident at Meadowbrook Nursing Home. And basically what they are calling for, and they get it, they get that you want to keep the residents safe, they get that you want to stop the spread, and they're doing what they can with that. They have all these measures in place. They have had, unfortunately, five staff members test positive, which for them pushes back when they can open based on state guidelines. So what they're really calling for is, I guess, more what they really want to have is just to be given the okay to have socially distant outdoor visits between family members and loved ones of the residents and the residents themselves so that way they can have that face-to-face interaction again. Um, And a big thing that came up yesterday was how it was felt that 28 days, especially for a facility that's Meadowbrook size, they have, I, I believe Paul Richards said, more than 300, maybe 350 employees. It's it's very hard to make it 28 days without someone testing positive, especially when there is prevalence remaining in the community of the virus. So they were asking maybe for leniency on that, but given given what they were asking for, they could, barring no further positive tests between now and Monday, open as soon as Monday of next week to visitation. So I think that's just what they're hoping for, what they hope they can give to the families, but they don't want to they don't want to have it yanked away again just because a positive test does come. I I think, like, literally what you just said, yanked away again. The worst thing that can happen, and I feel like this applies to everything related to COVID as far as you have a shutdown and then things come back, you don't want to give something back and then have it taken away again because that's such a, I mean, mentally that's such a big hit, emotionally. I, I mean, we're talking about all these, all these, all, all these, all these um, you know, people at at Meadowbrook and other nursing homes or whatnot. They haven't, seen, you know, physically seen their um, family members in so long, and and that's so that's so difficult. But to have the opportunity potentially to have them come back, I mean, that would be huge. Not only for you know people in nursing homes, but for their family members as well to see them because just mentally and emotionally, that that's such a huge thing that I think at one point might have been looked at as under the radar, but not so much anymore. I mean, it's a prevalent issue now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going on six months. Yeah. Half right. a year. Uh, no no contact, no visits. Yeah. Um, that is tough. Um, so hopefully they can work something out. Something Paul Richards pointed to was a study, and I, I found it as well, of 26 nursing homes in the Netherlands who, after being closed due to COVID-19, they did reopen for visitation with the precautions in place they found positive impact on residents' well-being and no new COVID-19 tests as a result. So that's, for him, that's evidence that it can be done. So let us do it. I, I think that it's difficult in this state particular because of what happened involving our governor. Yeah. Um, the controversial order to send residents back to nursing homes uh, where so many have died. He's come under fire for it. It's been a hot topic. So I think the Department of Health is going to be overly cautious with all these nursing homes uh, before they allow anything to happen. And the numbers, we're, we, we have a certain amount of numbers of deaths related to the nursing homes, and then we're hearing, we see reports about the numbers aren't actually what they say they are, and then they keep going up, and that's just a bad optic. And then you have people also now wanting to have visitation, and visitation with outsiders can you know potentially bring in COVID cases and things of that nature. and. It, it's just a perfect storm for a big controversy. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is, unfortunately. Um, the other news of the week, I would have to say, is the Democratic Party convention. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where Joe Biden got the nomination last night and Kamala Harris as the, his running mate, vice president. Um, we will have some local angle stories coming up uh, tomorrow about the convention. Yes. Um, it's always an interesting time uh, every four years. It's it's political theater at its best. Yes. Although this year is quite different, going with the virtual method. Yeah. Uh, but it's still interesting. And I think I think we're kind of used used to the. I'll let I'll let you get going in a second. But I was I was just gonna I was just gonna say, as far as the virtual side of things, I think we're actually getting used to that, because there's been a lot of different things that have kind of been done virtual now, and to a certain extent. It's not normal yet. I would I wouldn't say that, but it's certainly people are getting acclimated to it. It's different for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yes. But yeah, Kara, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Today I interviewed um, Plattsburgh Town Supervisor Michael Cashman, who he was the top male vote getter for the twenty first congressional district to represent Biden Harris. Well, it wasn't Harris back then during the primary, but the Biden ticket um, at the convention, and he. He was also a delegate for the Obama-Biden ticket back in 2012, and he talked about how, you know, when you're there in person, there are a lot more opportunities to interact with people from across the country, and he's maintained some of those relationships since then. But, you know, there are various virtual platforms. You know, there's social media, there's Zoom, and I was looking at the DNC website today. There's all sorts of, you know, caucus meetings that you can live stream or the various speakers and performers. I saw Billie Eilish is performing either tonight or tomorrow <laughs> night, which I found interesting. John yeah. Legend was on last yeah, night. John, yeah, he's going to be performing again with Common. Um, so it's it's interesting to see like who, who gets to be on that lineup. But yeah, that'll be an interesting story coming from a local politician on why he's supporting, you know, the big ticket top of the ballot so yeah and we have a little tease for an upcoming little mini series in the paper i hear yes uh i'll let kara get into it in a second uh, basically it is uh, about women's rights women's equality we're having the 100 year celebration of women's women's suffrage women's suffrage yes <laughs> and uh, we're going to explore that um how it's developed over the last 100 years and what it means um for all of us today and and Kara's excited about this. I know yes, she is. She's very, uh, very excited about this. We're going to be covering the historical aspect of it. I think especially the women in the newsroom are very excited about this. So the historical aspect, we're going to take it a step further, talking about women's equality in the workplace. Um, also, you know, how far we really need to go in order to have true equality and equity as far as voting rights in, in particular. Um, and we're hopefully going to be reaching out to elected female officials to get their perspectives as well to really have a rich package about this very historic moment since Tuesday marked the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the women's of women's suffrage, and then next Wednesday is Women's Equality Day. So we're hoping to have a really nice package, um, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. Absolutely. We're looking forward to that. Um, as Kara said, we're all excited about that. It, uh, it's, a, it's a great issue to explore, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. And, and like we told Kara, we weren't going to keep her long because we know she's a little bit busy today. But we do have Ben Watson coming in, and we got a little sports talk coming up. Just going back to the women's suffrage thing. Yeah, um, yeah sure. I mean, I, I mean, uh, more power to women. I love it, personally. Yeah. I, I have a wife, two daughters, I have two older sisters, <laughs> no brothers, <laughs> no sons. 
You are surrounded. I worked for women here for mm-hmm. over 30 years. So I have been influenced by strong women my entire life. And I am convinced that they are the best people for the job most of the time. <laughs> so they have my full support in every way. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> there you go. There's your little boost. There you yes, go. Perfect. Great. So here we go. We'll we'll go to we'll go to old segment two here coming up and a little bit of sports talk with me, Joe, and we'll have Ben Watson coming in. And we are back. A little bit of sports talk coming now. We've swapped out Kara Chapman. Now we got Ben Watson in here. Ben, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. You ready it's good for Wednesday? You ready for some sports talk? I am very ready. Okay. Well, I mean, one thing that I wanted to talk about first was just we got NBA, we got NHL, we got MLB, we got golf, we got NASCAR. You name it. It's pretty much going on right now. And going from March to April and May, when there was nothing for the most part, and now it seems like we have everything. I mean, if you are a sports fan, this is your time to thrive. <laughs> And I feel like it's been really awesome. But we have been, you know, I've had different games on every night here in the newsroom. You know, Ben has peeked over and watched his Canadians a little bit. You know, Joe, I know you've been watching a lot of hockey. Joe is wearing a Boston Bruins mask right now. Um, So to say that everybody is a little passionate about their sports teams is pretty cool. But, I mean, Ben, first of all, what has been your take on, on bubble hockey? Um, I mean, it's been awesome to have something uh, yeah. to take up my time after I get home from work, and uh, not having any hockey from mid-March on was uh, definitely had me down a bit. Uh, it's something I enjoy watching when I have it, and uh, especially when I have playoff hockey to watch. So uh, having that Habs upset of the, Pe- uh, the Penguins a couple few weeks back now was definitely nice. Uh, by the time this episode's out, they might be out of the playoffs, who considering uh, tonight is an elimination game. They're down 3-1 against Philly in the series, but who knows? Uh, I've just been taking that all as uh, just sort of free hockey for me, because I wasn't expecting them to make the playoffs in a regular season, so it's just been a nice surprise. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, for sure, and I don't know if I actually told you, Ben, but a couple nights ago when Boston was playing Carolina, I was working here in the office, What's and I, I, got a, I, I got a text message from on my phone from, from Jolo here, <laughs> and it's just says Bruins with a bunch of exclamation points <laughs> at the end, but Joe, how was that game to watch? Uh, it was great because I didn't watch it until it was still 2 nothing Carolina. So you might have well, you actually provided... That's theory. what I was saying to my wife. <laughs> yeah. I said, I turned it on and they turned it on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they really put the uh, pedal to the metal, so to speak. And just, uh, I think they were out shooting them 15 to nothing mm-hmm. at one point. Yeah. Scored four goals. And uh, that's the thing. A team like Boston, they can do that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a matter of being consistent. Overall, I think the hockey, we're probably at, I don't think it's playoff-level hockey yet. You don't think so? No, it's probably like late November, early December hockey. Okay. And when you have that, some some guys are there. Mm-hmm. Some guys, they're just firing. Yeah. But a lot of them, not quite yet. Um, but it's still, like you say, Ben, it's hockey. Yeah. And we get to watch it. I think the the intensity is definitely there, but a lot, or well, with some people anyway, some of the players anyway. But it's just been the mistakes of uh, of regular season hockey uh, are still definitely there. But I mean, five months off that'll that'll do that. <laughs> um, but the goalies have also been insane overall, just yeah. series to series. 
Okay, Carey Price, he has a 9-5-3 through this series. He's 1-3 in the series. Yeah, Montreal can't score him in the yeah. <laughs> But, like, it's just even like, Carter Hart's been amazing. Yep. Uh, Corpus Salo was crazy for the Blue Jackets. I know they just got bounced, but yeah. but he was insane. Set a, how, many, how, many, how many saves did he have in the 5-0-2? He had, like, 85, 80 I think. 80-something. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, the goalies have been nuts, which has been fun to watch as somebody who likes to watch good goalies play. And, and and the hockey just in general, I mean, it's it's been pretty good. Like you said, maybe not always playoff hockey, but I mean that that five OT game, yeah. that was insane. That was absolutely insane. I mean, talk about setting uh, setting the table for the playoffs for this year. And it was kind of funny too. It kind of gave I think you I think you said it, Joe, that that um, can am type of mentality where. One game is going into five OTs, and the other games that were slated for that night couldn't. And they ended up couldn't even be. They, right. they weren't even played. It was the Bruins. It, it had to go to the next day. Yeah. So I mean, but but stuff like that makes it great. And I think one thing that I thought about when um, hockey was coming back and, and basketball was coming back, and they're going into these bubbles, is how's it going to translate to watching it on TV and watching hockey? Yeah, the fans aren't there. It is noticeable, but I. After after you get into it yeah. a little bit, you don't know. I've been a fan of the production just value so far. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I was worried about like the stuff when they mentioned, oh, there's gonna be fake crowd noises or whatever. But honestly, it's all seemed pretty seamless, and I like the different effects I've had, all the video. But like, they've done a good job with what they have. I think. Who's yeah. your favorite uh, announcer in between the glass combo? Oh, oh I would probably I go. <laughs> I I for between the glass I I actually like Brian Boucher a lot. I'll take Boucher over Maguire. <laughs> and then no Pierre Maguire fans here. No. And then as far as I have a Pierre Maguire story. You do. I do. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say as far as far as commentating, I mean, uh, nationally, Doc. Doc is. I mean, yeah. Hockey. There's not really any way you're gonna beat Doc Emmerich when it, in no. terms of the NBC broadcast. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 I mean. Uh, Eddie O. Uh, Eddie O is a you know a good color. Anytime color I guy. don't have Mike Milbury on my TV, <laughs> I am a happy man. Anytime he's not involved, um, it's a good night. Ben Watson has been spewing Mike Milbury hate all the week. Former Islander week. coach. Yes, former, former Islander. Coach. He hasn't been good in any area he's ever been in. He just needs to go away. Um, yes. I like uh, Catherine Tapp and Keith Jones and um, uh, Keith Jones is good. Yeah, in the booth or in the uh, studio afterwards. Yeah. Um, oh, and Kenny, Al- Nancy, Kenny Albert. Ken- Kenny Albert. Ken- Kenny I- Albert has been like doing triple shifts. He's because he's actually in Edmonton. I actually just I heard that the other day. So he's calling game after game. It yeah. seems like, which is crazy. And um, I like when Chris Cuthbert uh, from CBC does yeah. some of the games. Okay. Um, yeah, I just love his voice and okay. the way he calls a hockey game. Yeah, I've actually primarily been watching Sportsnet feeds, not NBC, and they have the classic EA Sports. Combo. They have Jim Houston, Craig Simpson oh, doing that's a lot pretty of games, cool. which is uh, Jim Houston has his moments, but like that's just a really solid pairing all around. So I've enjoyed that. And I do like you know from from my Islander standpoint, I like Brendan Burke, who who is also he does some NBC games every once in a while. He's 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 just a good um, 
just a good hockey voice. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, but yeah. when I turn on a hockey game and I hear his voice, I, I know I'm watching Islanders hockey probably. But a lot of people don't like Pierre Maguire. No, no. But yeah, what is the Pierre Maguire story? <laughs> don't dislike him, but he's just, he's a lot. I don't need to know what tiny Ontario town this player played peewee hockey with. I do. I want to know that. Yeah. Uh, he just, he goes off sometimes. But anyway, Pierre Maguire story. <laughs> Yes, um, in 1988 season. Okay, we're going back. Yes, yeah. it was uh, NCAA Division Three uh, quarterfinals, I believe. Plattsburgh State was hosting Babson. Okay. Pierre Maguire was an assistant coach on Babson. Really? Yep. Okay. And um, Plattsburgh State was the defending champs. Yep. And they were pretty much the team to beat again. And they hosted the quarterfinal uh, matchup with Babson. Back then it was... Game one, game two, mini game, mini game if three. necessary. Yep. So Babson won the first game. The next night, Plattsburgh State won the second game, forcing the mini game. Okay. And it was close, and Babson scored late, and they won. And they well, they were up one nothing, and there was about a few seconds left. And what happens then? A major brawl. Okay. Uh, Plattsburgh State guys were frustrated. Sure. Um, they started um, a big fight. Both benches emptied. Um, now, my roommate, my housemate at the time, was a guy named Jeff Wood, who was the trainer, the athletic trainer for the hockey team. Okay. Um, Jeff was a, a very muscular bodybuilder. Okay. Big guy. And uh, both teams wound up, both benches, coaches, trainers, everybody wound up on the ice. Wow. And Pierre Maguire, um, if you notice him now, he doesn't have much hair. Mm. He didn't then either. <laughs> and he's on the ice agitating. Screaming, yelling, really? uh, getting in people's faces as, as a, the assistant as a, coach. As an assistant yes. coach, that's a bad look. And my, um, uh, it was a mess. Yeah. Plattsburgh State got sanctioned for their role in the brawl later on. But right. So later that night, I, I went home after the game. A couple hours later, my roommate Jeff comes back, and he's all upset. I'm like, yeah, it was a heck of a brawl, huh? He goes, that assistant coach from Babson, what a jerk. I wanted to beat the hell out of him. And it was Pierre Maguire. It was Pierre Maguire. Wow. So was, Pierre Maguire did not make any friends in Plattsburgh. No, not that day. Okay, okay. That's that's a great story. I, I, I had no idea he was, like, he had yeah. uh, ties like that, even to even to that level. Yep. And, and, well, a couple of years later, he started writing a column for Sports Illustrated on hockey. Okay. And I thought, oh, that's Peter McGuire. That's the guy Jeff wanted to beat up. <laughs> and then I see him on TV all these years later. Yeah. And every time I see him on TV, I think of, because Jeff would have pounded him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great. But, yeah, I mean, the hockey overall, I think, has been great. Um, NBA-wise, their, their playoffs are just starting to get into a little bit of swing now. Um, I've watched a good amount of the NBA games already. The thing that I have been the most impressed about is we are just what there's no fans. You know, you have the virtual fans up on the on the bo- on the boards and I'm things of kind of like those. things of that nature, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of funny because you can see all these people doing weird weird things on the video boards. But the thing that I have been most impressed about is you are just watching these guys ball out. They are. It's like it's it's almost as if you um, you're watching. A pickup game. It has that pickup game feel, but it's a playoff game. I mean, and they're just going at each other, playing really hard. Donovan Mitchell on the Utah Jazz scores a ton of points in, yeah. in their first game. Um, we've seen a lot of good performances already. The Portland Trailblazers upset the Lakers in Game One. I mean, Damian Lillard is a good player. Damian Lillard is is very good, and 
I'm I'm telling you, LeBron James on the Lakers, you know, earlier in the season, and you know they are the top seed. They're supposed, you know, you know they're one of the favorites, but Portland's a bad matchup for them. And I think with no crowd, um, there is really no home court advantage. At least in hockey, you have last change, even if you're the home team and stuff like that. But in basketball, you don't really have any type of advantage if there isn't fans. Um, so I think you're going to see just straight up basketball and potentially better team wins. Um, not to say that things might, you know, you know, go chalk, but still it is, it has been interesting to say the least and credit to the NHL and the NBA for going in the bubble and no, co- both no seem to have a really good no handle co- on them. No COVID cases. Yeah, no, that, that has worked out. I mean, we did have the Tukarask situation, yes. which I'm kind of surprised that hasn't happened more. Right. right. Yeah. Did you, did you because, see the news on that this morning where it basically came out that there was some there was an emergency incident with his daughter that his wife called about, which is why he left. Yeah. Yeah. A newborn. Yeah. A young. Yeah. And, which I understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, as as involved as everybody is with, you know, sports and you're, you know, obviously when you're in the playoffs, you're very dedicated to your team and whatnot. But you see it with all these guys, especially now more than maybe back in the day. Family first. I mean, even if uh, even if a, a a player's wife is is having a baby or something like that, we've seen that in baseball a couple of times. Even in, in in the NBA, I'm trying to remember who it was in the NBA, but uh, NBA player's wife just had a baby and he he left the bubble. Right. Go to go be with his wife while she was having their baby, and he comes back. I mean, th- that's that's what we're doing now, and that's that's good. I mean, to to think back in the day, it was more just you know, wife has the baby. You're not there. I mean, that that's what it was back then. But now it's it's good to see that, and that's okay. I mean, fam, families first, even even when your team's in the heart of a playoff, like like Tuka Rascal was in right. situations like that. Um, you mentioned LeBron James earlier. Yeah. Um, I think right now James Harden's the best basketball player. You think you think the beard? Ah, yeah. uh, I could watch that guy all day. Do you know what when I I don't? He doesn't I, pass. I, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> well, especially when Westbrook's not there, but. When when James Harden is having a, a, a really good game, he's not James Harden. He's Jim Harden. It's more serious when you say Jim Harden. Oh, that, oh yeah, it's it's much more it's much more serious when like that. And my former coworker here, Willie Santana, we will exchange texts all the time, and we'll be like, Jim's going off. Jim's going off. <laughs> that guy's Jim amazing. Harden. He oh, he's really good. I mean, he can dribble, penetrate. He can shoot. He can pretty much do everything. He can pass if he wants to, but why? He's too right. good. He's too good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the NBA has been great. Um, one thing that we definitely wanted to talk about a little bit, though, is uh, baseball, which is certainly, <laughs> uh, I mean, just in just in general, had its ups and downs. Um, there's one specific thing that's not really related to COVID that we can talk about in a little bit. But Good. as far as COVID related with baseball, they didn't go in the bubble. But they they didn't formulate a bubble. I mean, it would kind of been hard for them to do it because you have to have it's. It's 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 really hard for baseball to be in a bubble, and that's understood. To try to do a full season of bubble, I yeah. can understand. But then at that point, I think you look at you could they could have at least even mitigated it to like do maybe four or like six hubs per like three per right. like, three per conference. Or yeah, like almost almost go by division. Maybe right, or something how about like, like divisional bubbles, stuff like that? Like yeah. I understand it would be difficult to have that many different games going for a full season in even one or two. But if you can get mitigate the travel to some amount, I, I absolutely. And and you have sense. you've got the Marlins who were 
seems like they didn't play for about a month, but, you know, it was a couple weeks. St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals, even the Cincinnati Reds now, they're all being impacted. And I that, like their new uniforms. I do, too. Those are really nice. <laughs> but it can it can change every day. I mean, these players are still out and about. Obviously, there's a lot of protocols in place, but, you know, different things. You know, it all, all it takes is one one player to make a poor decision, and look at what happened with, with the Marlins. You know, Derek Jeter, who now owns the Marlins, he's the CEO there and whatnot, he said his, his explanation to the Marlins outbreak was players had a, uh, a misguided sense of being comfortable maybe in their surroundings and whatnot, and they kind of got a little bit laxed with certain, certain uh, you know, social distancing and things of that nature. In 2020, you can't do that. In a pandemic, you can't have a right. you can't have a height uh, a level of security, a false sense of security. You need to really take all the protocols and be serious about it, because all it takes is one. You're in a clubhouse, and then it spreads. And look at look what happened with Miami. Yeah, I think the uh, jury's still out on whether or not they'll be able to complete the season. I do too. Well, yeah. In that vein, I actually remembered seeing this on the news when I was got up this morning, and ESPN reported on this. I think it looks about like about a week back now that the MLB is in preliminary, well, sources close to the MLB told the ESPN that they're in preliminary discussions about holding a bubble postseason yeah. if they can get to it, um, which makes some amount of sense because it's less, way less teams. It's a bit more controllable, but getting to that point is going to be the challenge, I think. Oh, I, I think so, and, <clears throat> and ultimately, too, when you, have, um, when you have, once you get into the playoff season, when's that going to be? That's going to be October. It's going to be later. So, so you're going to have a warm it, site. and you're, not only are you going to have that, but if in fact we do have the quote unquote second wave, combine that with flu season, it could potentially only get worse. And then, how bad of an optic would it be? It would be understandable to a certain extent, but how bad of an optic would it be that you get through the the smaller season, and then, boom, playoffs hit. You can't even complete them. I'm not that familiar with the MLB. Are there any? Closed roof or retractable roof oh, yeah. buildings oh. left. Oh yeah, there's 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 some. But um, I guess heating would be an issue. Like, as you could you, like you could argue, oh, if you have something like that in a colder weather area, you could still keep going. But I guess trying yeah. to keep a big ass. I mean, you, you have. I'm trying to think of places. You have Texas, Seattle, um, Houston, Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay is a warm albatross, area. but. Toronto um, does. Toronto, but they're not letting the Blue Jays even play there. That's right. Um, they're playing in they're playing in Rochester, or I think it's Buffalo. Rochester. Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo. Um, and and you have, but yeah, you do have certain uh, Milwaukee, and they're, they're, I could keep going. There's there's a lot of places where they could do that, but it's difficult. So so I don't know. Um, hopefully it works out though, because like like I said, I've enjoyed watching everything. Baseball has probably been the weirdest thing to watch because. You have the weird cardboard cutouts of people's heads in certain stadiums, which has been kind of funny. But um, when somebody hits a home run and there's basically video game noise, crowd noise, that's just, that's weird. It is weird. There's not. I will say the the NHL's crowd noise has actually sounded pretty natural. Yeah, plus I think. And they have the horn. 
Yeah. Yeah. The goal horn definitely helps kind of <laughs> mask it a little bit. So if you just have a little bit of crowd roar behind it. Yeah. And with hockey too, hockey you have those natural sounds, the skates, the sticks, different yeah, things of that nature. Yeah. There's a lot of nature. sounds kind of always going. Random guys screaming. You know. Yeah. You've been able to pick up a lot more of that lately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean that that's kind of fun, but um, one thing that I wanted to talk about baseball wise, and Joe, I'll kind of go to you first, is the unwritten rules. And the Fernando Tatis home run the other night, where he has a 3-0 pitch, his team's up 10-3 in the eighth inning, and he swings, and he, and he hits a grand slam. And everybody got upset. Um, from your standpoint, you've watched baseball back in the day when it was a little bit more old school, and obviously you've seen it now. Where do you fall with that? Um, well, it was interesting because he hit a grand slam. Yes. And his father, Fernando Tatis Sr., once hit two grand slams in the same inning. Oh, okay. Major league record. Okay. Um, I had him on my fantasy team that oh, year. That's why oh, I remember. Did you? Okay. <laughs> I like grand slams in that family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe he was trying to equal his father's record. But the bottom line is 3-0, whatever. Uh, if he wants to swing, go ahead and swing. Yeah. Your job is to get him out. Right. And if you can't do it, shame on you. Yeah. Not shame on him. These are the big leagues. Um. Lou Holtz once said that when he was a young coach, they played Alabama, and Alabama destroyed him. And he went up to Bear Bryant afterwards and complained, well, you didn't have to run up the score. Why did you do that? And Bear Bryant looked at him and said, son, keeping the score against your team down is your responsibility. Right. And Lou Holtz said, I never complained about anybody running up the score after that. A- abso- absolutely. So take care of your own business yeah. and stop whining. I The thing that really frustrated me was in today's baseball the ball is wound tighter home runs are up everybody knows it nobody will nobody in MLB will admit to any of that but the ball's wound tighter uh stadiums not 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 too deep and players are stronger so home runs are going to happen at a more often uh, at a more frequent pace but the way I look at it is your team's up 10-3 in the eighth inning yes that's a significant lead. Is it insurmountable in today's baseball? Not so much. So say, for example, Tatis Jr. doesn't swing at that pitch, and then it's 3-1. And then the next pitch is, I don't know, a breaking ball or something, and it's a good pitch, it's 3-2. Then he strikes out. Okay, his, his, you know, San Diego doesn't score, go to the bottom of the eighth. Then you go to the bottom of the eighth, they're playing the Texas Rangers. Well, okay, well, San Diego was nice and they didn't make the lead anymore. Is, is Texas going to uh, return the favor and not compete for the last two innings? You can't tell me that those, those however many next batters aren't going to continue playing. So it's kind of ridiculous in that sense. And ultimately, too, these are grown men playing baseball. It's not li- if this was Little League or something like that, yeah, you probably don't want to have your, your, your little guy swinging at a 3-0 pitch when your team's up 10-3 to because you're probably going to win that game. But in the major leagues, 3-0, if Tatis Jr. wants to swing at a pitch and hit a grand slam, swing at the pitch and hit a grand slam. It's fine. It's the big leagues. It's the same thing with when you have a big lead late in the game, you don't steal. Yeah. You don't bunt. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think times that was old school mm-hmm. back then, and there was a remedy for that if you didn't like it. Right. Um, but things have changed now. And um, I, you're, they're still going to get complaining, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I think the mentality now is, and especially, let's let's be honest, uh, big contracts are driven by numbers. 
Absolutely. And a lot of these guys, if they got a chance to pad their numbers, they're going to do it. Yeah. And you can't blame them. Yeah. So that's just the game has changed. Oh, absolutely. And one one final thing about um, that as well is I was listening to one of the radio shows that I like to listen to in New York yesterday. Um, and they were telling a story about it had to have probably been, it was in the mid-90s. The Yankees were playing the Tigers. Um, Pat Kelly was playing for the Yankees at the time. Yankees were up 5 nothing in, in the middle innings, I believe. And Buck Showalter had Pat Kelly steal second base. And Sparky Anderson, I believe, was managing the Tigers at the time. Went nuts. He went ballistic. Why don't you run up the score? Blah, 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 blah. It's 5 nothing. That's not That's insurmountable. That's still a game. So that was the whole thing. You know what ended up happening at the end of the game? The Tigers came back and won. Right. So that's the same type of logic that I'm kind of applying to this, this scenario is, well, it's not to say, yes, it would be a great comeback, but 10-3 to 3 in today's baseball, even in the eighth, not insurmountable. Now, is this, is this I, don't know, I don't know if people were complaining, or is this the case of the media blowing something up? No, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's both... I mean, they're, they're only telling what happened with the story because the one thing that I will Who say... Who The Texas pitcher? The Texas pitcher, the Texas manager, and then apparently also the San Diego manager kind of threw his own player under the bus because apparently he said uh, have take, uh, uh, he gave the take sign and he still swung. Oh. So if that's true, then it kind of changes things a little bit, but I'm sorry... It's the big leagues. If re, if you really don't want to give up a if a three o three o grand slam, don't throw a fastball. Make a better throw, pitch. Throw a breaking ball. Make him look like an idiot. But little things like that, I just it frustrates. This is why people don't watch baseball. Because of you, can you believe that a guy who had a grand slam is being basically <laughs> yeah looked at in a, in a bad light? It's it's ridiculous. It's like telling a hockey player like if their team's up three nothing and the other team pulls their goalie with like four minutes left to try to come back from a deep hole or they have an empty net shot. Oh no, I'm just gonna I'll skip that. We're already winning three. No, no, yeah, that's, yeah, like, exactly. You we'll, go for it. Yeah, yeah, you go for it. You, you, you finish off the game, but yeah, that's that's been interesting, but. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I was a little fired up about that. A little fired up about that. But Tatis is a good player. Oh, he's a really. Good, I have him on my fantasy team, so I, I was happy about that. Um, but locally, yes, uh, looks like we'll at least get an update on what's going on with with high school sports and whatnot. We already know college sports at Plattsburgh State won't be going on until until next year, Jan, early January at the earliest, whenever they come back from break. But tentatively. Uh, the New York State Public High School Athletic Association has a plan set for September 21st for sports to resume, but that hasn't been finalized yet because they haven't gotten word from uh, Cuomo as well as you know just New York State in general as to what is going on. Um, but I would, I think the biggest thing at this point is people just people just want to know. I mean, we're sitting here in late August with sports set to start on September 21st. Potentially, that's one of their plans. Right. And we still don't know what's going on. No, and I don't think we're going to for a while. I yeah. mean, well, we'll. I think it all hinges on what happens when students go back to the classrooms. Yeah. Now, most of the younger grades, elementary school levels, you're going to have in-school session every day. Yeah. Um, they're going to make a bunch of changes in how they're going to pull that off in terms of needing extra class space for smaller classes and things like that. Um, older kids will be kind of a hybrid 
Mm-hmm. Two two days in, dressed remote. It varies school to school. Um, but they'll start right after Labor Day. Yep. And it gives them about a week, ten days before sports starts. Mm-hmm. Right. If they can get through that period, okay. Then maybe sports will have a chance to get going. Yeah. But if there's a influx of positive cases in the first week or two, right. I would be real surprised if sports was not um, canceled. I honestly just think with the amount of planning and just news stuff they're going to be dealing, I just I don't under I don't see how sports can be like high on the list of priorities right. for a bit. Yeah. Just because while I love it and I, while I know that it's important, like. In the end, it is just games in terms, like, when you're comparing it to health uh, health issues and to the just general school population. Like, yeah. it's just games. But hopefully, if the beginning of the first few weeks go smoothly, then maybe they'll be able to, like, sort of ease into that. But I think 21st probably will end up being, I don't think it's going to start on the 21st. Did they, when NISPA was doing all their planning and talking about things, were they talking varsity only, or did they make plans for JVs and modifiers? That's interesting you say that because, quite honestly, I don't know. Um, I know I know what it applies to varsity sports. I would assume it just falls in falls in line, you know, whether it be JV and modified as well. But well, it, it might not because, un, unfortunately, for modified JV programs, mm-hmm. if they can eliminate travel. Yeah. Uh, and exposure. Yeah, I think that's what they're leaning towards. You could just maybe have, if anything, at the younger levels, maybe intramural right. type of scenarios or something like that. Not take away sports in general, but it's a tough thing to do, especially to younger kids who yeah. want to play just as much as the older ones. But that's kind of what needs to be done. Um, I, I I think the biggest thing optic-wise that people are frustrated with is. There are sports going on right now that just aren't school sports, and I think that's where that's where a lot of the frustration lies. Is okay, we have uh, various summer league baseball games going on. We've got the North Country Boys and Girls soccer leagues going on, Um, just things of that nature. But then at the same time, CVBL kind of showed not that it was CVBL's fault that there could have been possible cases, right? But in the case of when the people who were at that party in Altona then played in games, it kind of showed how this contact might be a play a part in spreading it, and we were lucky we didn't get a huge influx in that. But yeah, I think we we came. I I think we came away from that pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, because you think about the the chain effect yeah. that that could have had. It wasn't obviously as bad as it nearly could have been, which it which is great. Um, but. I don't know. I guess we'll see. And and there could be the hybrid plan, uh, which I was gonna, which I wanted to mention was that if if COVID prevents sports going from uh, the rest of 2020, they have that hybrid plan starting in January, where you would have winter sports first, then you would have fall sports in kind of March and April, then you would have the stereotypical spring sports in May and June. That plan is there's a lot of holes in that. Mm, I feel yes. like I don't. I, I hate to say this because I I get it. If if I were in like a if I were in say for example if I only played soccer and that was the only sport that I played and I'm a senior, and sports are called off for the fall. Yes, it would really stink, but you're robbing Peter to pay Paul if you're going to try and condense all of these seasons and still try and make it work. 
Certainly, I, I respect NISFA's uh, ideas to try and give the students everything, albeit maybe a little bit different. But I feel like at that point, you're, you're making it so complicated with the overlap and ultimately, too, one of the, one of the, one of the people I talked to for a story, how are you playing a soccer game in Saturday night like on March 1st? Exactly. Um, and things of that nature. But I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Did they make provisions for how many fans can go to these games? Not that I've seen as far as, I think that might be something that comes out with the guidance next week, uh, yeah. um, but as far as the guidance that came out for when adult and youth sports were put into play, you have uh, each each participant who is in a sporting event was limited to two spectators, right. and I don't think that has changed. Okay. So maybe that's what it falls in line with, if anything. But Ben, like you said, there's the scenario, like, Ultimately, you have to concentrate on on school first, and then kind of go from there. And I I agree. I mean, I I can't disagree. I mean, from my standpoint, and like you said too, and and Joe, I know you fall in line with this. We all want to see sports happen, but ultimately, I guess we have to be smart about it and and realize that there's a virus still out there, and it's presenting challenges still. Can they have concession stands? (laughs) <laughs> see, <laughs> see, I, I would say no, um, but but it's all it's all those it's, things. They're money makers. I know, big I, impact. I know, and and those, it's all those things that we think about. That, you know, we kind of take for granted at sporting events that that aren't uh, that could be impacted. I should say, and it's frustrating. It's it's real frustrating. But I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see where where things end up. It, it's hard to talk about something that. There isn't anything out on yet, yeah. but there's been a lot of talk and you know hopefulness from a lot of different people to see what what happens. Now, is is Shattergate High School one of, like Shazy where they only have a few teams? Um, they have soccer, volleyball, baseball, volleyball. softball, basketball, and then we always have mergers with Malone for hockey and track okay. and cross country. That's so it's yeah, it's they do they do have track cross country and track in Malone. We always would we had an agreement for for hockey and cross country and track with Malone. Okay. If we wanted to play on their teams, we could. And Chattagate, what's their nickname? The Bulldogs. Okay, yeah. what are you testing me on nicknames? <laughs> yes, test Ben Watson on nicknames, uh, not me. <laughs> he knows his own he's, school's nickname. He's, he's, he's getting. I gotta it. learn the local ones. So. Slow, slowly but surely. But yeah, I mean. That's our. I think we had our first like official real sports talk roundtable. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think I think that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but any, I mean, any closing thoughts that we want to put in about anything and everything? No. Like I said, hopefully school will start uh, uneventful and sports can start uneventful as yeah. well. And uh, as always, stay safe, North Country. Yeah. Absolutely. And glad sports are back to some degree, and hope they can keep being there if they're safe. Yeah, I think it's for our, I think for our mental well being as yeah. just sports fans, it's a it's a good. No, thing. like the first couple of days that I was I was able to watch hockey and particularly Canadians, like just the smile that was on my face yeah. for yeah. just most of the day, just being like, oh yeah, I'm watching Canadians hockey. Like it was it was just and, so and so even nice. when the smile was covered up with your yes. mask, it was a Canadians mask. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny because when Carey Price made that unbelievable save, oh, with the stick, the, yeah. Uh, one of the guys, I think it was Keith Jones, said, "It's the best save I've ever seen in August." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of there's going to be a lot of August first. That's yeah. that is that is for sure. But yeah. 
But yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up. I think I had, I had fun with this, guys. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I guess we will uh, say goodbye for now, and we'll see you next week. Bye.